Good evening, you live metal fans, and welcome to this most magical episode of the Here Lies Metal Too Many Notes music review. What is going on here? Why is this episode so magical? Well, today we're here to discuss the new album from the band White's Magician. White Magician. Called Dealers of Divinity. Let's check it out. We even dressed up for it. Well, we always dress like this, though. Oh, wait, yes. Normally, we put on band shirts. That's us dressing up for the reviews, but this is how we normally yeah, dress. We, we didn't, yeah, we couldn't find any band shirts that were clean, so... Just wear our pajamas. <laughs> These are how we usually dress. So, yes, White Magician. Da, 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 da. My evening cape. Um, okay, White Magician. This is a heavy metal quartet from Detroit, Michigan, featuring, uh, let's take a look at the picture, Mofang Tengrant on bass. Whoa. <laughs> Magicians, as you can see. Master Kamandriani on drums. Mars Mysterio on guitars. These are magician names. And the great Kaiser on vocals and guitars. The, lead vocals. Those are all magician titles. I wonder if these guys are card guys or if they're, you know, other kind of... They seem to be card guys. Maybe they're just card guys. Yeah. I like that one of them is holding the king of clubs but the other one's got the king of hearts hmm. no ace of spades though none of that bullshit none of that like like that like cliche bullshit right? i mean that guy's got him over there oh, i'm got, sorry oh, oh, there, I, there I, I don't know i can't match the faces to the, to oh, there the names is. on these oh, guys he's got it. But, you, you gotta have that like you know i was like, oh, I was like oh they didn't do that but i guess they did okay no offense it's subtle though subtle it's fine he's not flashing in all the right face. we're here to just discuss uh dealers of divinity can you go to the band camp? Band camp? Uh, Whoa. That's a cool picture. This is their first album. Uh, it was released on Cruise Del Sur Music on November 20th. Uh, that's 11 20, 2020. Is that a magic number? Uh, yeah, I think they do that on purpose. Uh, numerology. But yeah, Cruise Del Sur. That's kind of like the place you want to be for heavy metal. So good job. Uh, special note, they, these guys, they formed in 2010, uh, but they started playing live in 2013, and they are not to be confused with the great Kaiser's White Magician, which has three of the same band members, but is considered a separate entity. So fans of the great Kaiser's White Magician, I am sorry, but this is not the review you're looking for. Uh, another note, another fun note, is these guys are also, all four of them are also in the band Demon Bitch. This is Demon Bitch. But magic in a different band. Uh, and Demon Bitch, if you're not familiar, is a very cool 80s heavy metal throwback band. So if you're fans of Demon Bitch and just want to support these guys, surely you'll like this too. Uh, these guys are definitely born too late. Uh, but anyway. It's a very different kind of magic, the other band. <laughs> yes, different magic, uh, but still magic. Yes. Anyway. And now for um, the Hero Lives Metal 5-point bi-directional classification scale, including the categories such as genre loyalty, listenability, production style, musical complexity, and just plain fun. Please note that either side of each scale is not good or bad. Let's continue. All right, our first scale. True to nonconformists, I think this is a 1. This is a 1 for proto-heavy uh, metal or proto-new wave of British heavy metal uh, but very firmly rooted in 70s rock traditions. The guitars in particular, I hear a lot of Thin Lizzy. Uh, maybe it's just because of the twin guitars, but yeah, definitely that feel. The vocals give me a big Uriah Heap vibe, vibe a lot of the time. The whole album gives me a pretty big Uriah Heap vibe. Um, like this is a kind of clear vocal you get from the 
time before harsh vocals ever existed. Uh, a lot of like ah backing vocals, like. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure who the first harsh vocalist was. Comment down below. We should do some research on yeah. that. Anyway, what did you think? Um, the de um, de um, Dealers of Divinity um, by White Magician is proto-metal, um, two new wave British heavy metal era. I think it's in that very unique late 70s, early 80s time in music, capturing that very well. Um, Angel Witch-like vocals. That, I mean, whoever the singer, whoever the singer is, um, yeah, it, it sounds a lot like the guy from Angel Witch. I can't, I don't know his name, but um, in some odd way, you know, it's in this weird way I, I'm listening to it and this is kind of a weird thing to say but comment down below you guys if you hear this and, and this means something to you um, your tracks sound a lot like Megadeth if Megadeth was a rock band that, that, like your songs sound like Megadeth songs but like you know if, if Megadeth was never a metal band that, that's it's a weird I know it's a weird thing to say but you know tell me what you guys think about that um, rightly so as you know um, Dave Mustaine was like a big UFO and Scorpions fan so like it kind of shows in his music that's why they're better than Metallica um, and you know, so, you know they're all kind of cut from that same cloth you know as well as you guys so you know and uh, White Magician is basically like a jack of all trades and the master of many trades and not focusing on one particular trade but being pretty good at each one what, what, what do you mean by that like you different know, trades of, of proto metal the, yeah the, st the styles of music they're mimicking they're not like focusing on one so you can never like take this band and be like oh yeah they sound like Angel Witch they sound a lot like Angel or they sound like a lot like Finn Lizzy no like they won't do that for too long like oh that part sounds like Finn Lizzy oh that part yeah, sounds like Angel Witch I agree with so that. you can't really like, be like oh these guys are copying off of these guys you can't say that about these guys at any point so that's kind of cool um, Jack of all trades master of many master of many um, and you know that's um, that's, that's probably like a line that magicians use you know they're probably like I am jack, jack of all trades master of all you know it's something you know so that works okay. well for you guys well I saw on their label actually uh, they had a press release when they were uh, signed uh, said Dealers of Divinity is classic metal at its finest defined by the band's deft use of mystical twin guitar interplay and epic 70s tinged song arrangements with which carefully bridge white magicians vast influences in namely blue oyster cults yeah king crimson angel witch ashbury merciful fate king diamonds we gotta get both of those and yingve malmstein uh, <laughs> to name a few yeah like really um, you're calling it Blue Oyster Cult because that album cover, that, that Blue Oyster Cult I did album cover. Yeah, I did think of that. I think they're, they're um, doing a little homage to that album cover. Why, why I can't think of that name, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, um, it's the one with uh, Don't Fear the Reaper. Yeah, yeah, it's that pretty famous one. <laughs> um, Agents, Agents of Fortune or something like that. Yeah. Um, I don't hear any King Crimson in them, but yeah, explain that. You know, whoever wrote that, whoever wrote that. I mean, I'm that, not that familiar with Ingve, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with Ingve with like Alcatraz and stuff, um, which I guess, you know, that guitar, it's like it's lead guitar thing. Um... Yeah. Anyway, but also on this album, maybe not on many proto metal albums, is a nice uh, interlude. We got a you know an instrumental interlude on here that's kind of got like an Eastern European traveling carnival sounding. I think it's sound Italian. To it. it sounds Mediterranean Italian. Sounded, to me, you picked up Italian. I picked yeah. up like it sounded like Eastern European, gypsy. like gypsy. gypsy. To me. Is that a word? Can we say gypsy? I don't know. Probably no. I don't no, think so. Don't say that. But say Romani. It, anyway. it was uh, Romani. Roma. Romani. Um, and you know, like if this were, it sounded very soundtrack esque. Like this was the montage of someone like scurrying through a lot of back alleys, trading Steal. magical artifacts, stealing things. Uh, 
and people's I, pockets. I feel like there was there a mandolin on that track. Yeah, it was a mandolin. We're, we're getting yeah. We're 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 classy people here. We've got more instrument. We've got instruments. <laughs> yeah, if you can play a mandolin, you must be serious. Like you're you're obviously a multi talented person. If you pick up a mandolin, you're playing it so anyway, skillfully. But I enjoy. I actually enjoyed the instrumental. I'm usually not. Uh, I don't have. I'm not a very patient person. I have a low attention span. But. Yeah, it was welcome. <laughs> Most like bands, if they throw one of those in, you're like, really? But these guys are like, oh, that's cool. It was very good. It yeah. was awesome. You guys so. deserve credit for it. Um, anyway. Yeah, so at first listen, you know, I would swear that these guys were like a Swedish retro rock band. You know, you know, there's so many of them. And they all either sound like Finn Lizzy or like UFO or Scorpions or something. But, you know, like I said, you guys are, you're, are, you know, spanning the whole gap there. But, you know, I was very surprised you guys are from Detroit. And, you know, as you guys probably know, the rest of the world does not look fondly on Detroit. And in fact, you guys probably have a worse rap than New Jersey for the most part. I mean, nobody wants to go to Detroit. Like, for example, all the the entire country they call it like Miss, you know, they call it like Goosey Night, or in New Jersey they call it Misfits Night, but in Detroit they call it Devil's Night. And there's a reason for that, you know, because because it's Detroit. So yeah, it's kind of surprising, you know, your geography. So yeah, tell yeah if, if you guys are listening, comment down below how you really got influenced, uh, you know, in such a strange place. I mean, Detroit kind of hasn't been on the scene since like I don't know. Um, the the uh, the Stooges or something. I mean, these I feel <laughs> I like know. these guys are all like either best friends because if you look on their metal archives, they're all in the same bands together. They're all in like five different bands with one or up to one to four other members of this band. It seems like a lot of the bands we do are, are so. in that situation. Am I right or am I right? So it's like either they're best friends or they are the scene. So yeah, right. We're all the scene. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Onto our uh, Sonic Terror scale, the scale of Sonic Terror. This is not terrifying at all. We're just getting a five for Distorted Pop. Besides the magic part, you know. But yeah, I mean, there is terror, but yeah. it's not terrifying for your ears. No, no, the music is just fine. Um, you know, it, with that late seventies and early eighties golden era rock sound, on um, the idea of Sonic Terror just isn't possible for that kind of music. It didn't exist back then. No one was that angry or that disillusioned. I don't know. You know, I think that concept didn't really exist, you know, before, I don't know, sometime in the early 80s, maybe when you got like hardcore punk or something, you know, I don't know. But maybe some prog rock was kind of Sonic Terror. I don't know. I won't get into that. But yeah, this but, is a, this is a very catchy, yeah. groovy, evocative. Yeah. It even has some feel good riffs, although most, mostly it's a bit uh, more of a mysterious feel. Mysterious. Uh, very heavy focus on the song craft. They're definitely looking to make, you know, pieces here. They're composed kind of in parts, but they're not like you know super rigid on them like especially on um magia nostra uh like you can there's a lot of sections to that song but they're like breathing sections like some of them feel almost ja jammy in a way mm. but you know definitely st it never gets out of hand it's st always still like composed but like breathing as, as the best way i could put it and all the parts are memorable and interesting uh you know, even though like, you know, only two songs come in under seven minutes on this album. And if we're going to, we shouldn't actually count the interlude. So one song is under seven minutes, um, but they're never boring and they never wear out their welcome. Any so any um, band you could sing their riffs, it was just good riffs. You could just kind of sing them in your head over. You can remember they get stuck in your head, which one of them is right now. It's kind of a, that's, <laughs> that's not a thing you usually get. You know, most riffs are kind of like forgettable. But um, what is what is Magia Nostra? That sounds Italian. It's like magic. What is Nostra? That mean? looks like Ours, our, our our magic. Our magic. Perhaps? Our magic. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah. Um. So you know, also like music for magicians, like the concept shouldn't really be displeasing to the ear ever. I mean, you know, think about magicians. It's magicians bring joy, 
or fear to children, uh, adults and seniors alike. You know, you have magic shows. Magic when you were a kid, like magic. Oh, it's a magic show. You know, you weren't. You know, maybe you probably weren't scared of it. You know, back then. You know. Um, bar mitzvahs, birthday parties, you know, even openers for like bad comedians, magicians are everywhere. And, you know, they're supposed to bring us a good time. So it should be pleasing music. Yeah, unless they pull like a bloody rabbit out of a hat or some like, hard. Well, you know, there's those like edgy rock and roll magicians. Oh yeah, there's yeah, there's those things, those tourists, yeah, that that open up for like bands, yeah, like they, whatever. Yeah. Even though they're not gonna play a Sonic Terra song either. So. No, no. It's either still way, fun. It's still fun. That's a five. Okay, yeah. production. Production three point five. I th- I think we're gonna call this a three point five. But what we have here is a period perfect retro production of the era we've been mentioning so often. You know everything sounds really great. Um, and so again, it's not the easiest thing to do to make to get things sounding really good with this retro production. But because it is retro, it's obviously not a super clean production, and that's obviously intentional. So I'm not sure where to put that on this scale. It's a three point five. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's another yet another modern album we've reviewed that shows meant to sound old. It was made today, but it sounds like 1979. You know, everyone's kind of doing this these days, and you know, it's obvious that there's no hope for the next sonic revolution in metal. That's becoming evidently clear every day, and that's fine. Like, I'm good with people not making a new metal sound because it usually just. I mean, I like retro production. Yeah, yeah. It, it usually. Ends what are up, you asking for? I, nothing. No, I'm. I'm like. I just. I guess. I'm. I'm saying that this is. I guess this is what we're gonna do for me. You know, for us to like it because if some band comes out with some new sound, probably like ugh. You know, um, I can't imagine like re- us reviewing a band that's doing that. You know, like and, and really liking it. Um, you know. So, but the question is, like, how do you guys do it? Um, you know, since I'm hearing so much of it, I kind of want to get to the bottom of this as a person that's interested in recording myself. Um, is it authentic gear, um, with like, or, or is it recorded on tape, you know, like actual, you know, what you see in the old movies or, or is it like a digital plugin that, that makes it sound that way? Comment down below if you guys are listening or if anyone's listening, you know, if they could kind of answer the, uh, you know, the mechanics behind it, cause I'm interested in that. So, so yeah, that's my take on it. All right. Counting the notes, the note counts. Uh, I'd more like it a three point five or a four. Hmm. Do you agree? Yeah. Um, this 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 is like a broad error in music that white magician is recreating, and generally requires a decent amount of notes in that era of music. Um, th- it's in part because of this kind of music going on in the mid to late seventies that there were certain um, bitter and less talented folk, no offense to them because they innovated music themselves, you know, but they invented punk rock because of, because of, you know, music like this. They were like, I, I can't play that. I'm going to play three chords, you know? And, and, you know, that's, that's how that came about. Um, you know, the solos are kind of period accurate down to the tone. You know, you even get a little bit of like Brian May in some of those solos, which is kind of cool. Um, this is, you know, at a time before the rise of modern super guitarists of the 80s, you know, you know, those kind of Stevie Vai's, Joe Snatriani's, and, um, you know, and that's a trend that's only gotten more extreme in modern day with, you know, metal-specific genres. So, you know, you guys have, really, have that really captured well. I don't know if I quite agree that there are no super guitarists in um, this group. Not um, the same. We have someone with a mandolin. I know. That's I think that the mandolin I think is also on that song Magia Nostra. We already Yeah. It comes it's it's not just on that interlude. Um, but you're you're clearly you're a musician at that point. You are if you well, want to <laughs> the standard of super guitarists got kind of more annoying as time went. I mean I guess these guys would have been kind of considered super guitarists but, at the time. 
Um, I actually had a, a couple of guitar souls I wanted to highlight, uh, like on uh, track four, uh, In Memoriam, uh, what was it? Uh, <laughs> Magic and Love, uh, something like that, uh, has a very ripping heavy metal guitar soul, which is in contrast to a song that is, for the most part, like a very passionate groovy uh 70s rock song for the most part but he almost goes into shredding on on that song yeah but he's you know he's keeping to like the standard of the i mean day. it never goes overboard yeah. but it, it did kind of stick out to me as being much more he- like the heavy the peak of heavy metal on the album yeah and but but yes for the what, most part uh the guitar, guitar solos what, are what, these what, moody drawn out solos like on magia nostra what makes it special is he's able to limit even though he has the knowledge of 2020 guitar guitar playing and all the knowledge of all the super guitars he's able to limit yeah. himself to the guitar solo how it would sound in 1979 yeah i think that's key here is that everyone's clearly you know very good at all their instruments the bass you know very interesting the drumming is very interesting as well but no one's you know showing off they're playing like they would be in they're larping as 1979 LARPing. <laughs> which is not i think you know you might try uh, to try to break out of that but they're not okay so i just want to highlight the vocal here because it is literally perfect like it's this smooth passionate very vintage vocal never overdone or overblown and i just wanted to note it because with all a lot of the other retrobacks particularly the swedish ones you mentioned like the things i get hung up on them is usually the vocal it's either like this kind of more modern sounding vocal in contrast, which I don't enjoy, or they're trying to do this vocal, but it's too weak or it's kind of like off key. And I just can't get into it. <laughs> like it kind of kills it for me. So like this guy is like good enough to have been on a period record at the time, which, you know, back then if you're in a band getting a record deal, like your vocalist is probably very good. You know, like they have a distinct sound, they're interesting. And that's, you know, that was part of getting the deal. Back when they, want, they wanted front men back then. Yeah. Like, you yeah. you couldn't just have just anybody on the vocals back then, which I think, you know, a lot mm. of, like, these little, like, retro bands these days, like, it's it's much less the focus. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's not really a, it's not a, it's not MTV time anymore, you know. It's not about seeing them anymore, really. You know. Back then, like, they needed a front, they needed a Robert Plant front man. You know, a sexy front man. You don't really need that anymore. You could have a fat guy up there. I mean, I don't know if he's sexy, but I'm know. just saying, like, this saying. the style of vocal is very difficult to do. Yeah. He's, because I yeah. hear a lot of retro bands try to do it and fail. Yeah, they either fail or, like, they try too hard. They do it. They do it almost where it's like a parody. Like, like everything is great. Like, the guitarists are great. Everything's, you know, awesome except for the vocal. And it's just, like, I, I appreciate it when it's, like... The vocals are actually good enough to have been in 1979. Yeah, it sounds like they got a major label record. Sounds like a guy from Angel Witch, exactly the guy from Angel Witch. Yeah, I mean, exactly. So, um, but yeah, some some guys that will like try so hard, it almost sounds like parody. Like it almost sounds like it's like when they try to make a, an 80s movie today and it just doesn't look right. It's like that kind of feel. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, this movie's supposed to take this. It's like, yeah. you don't have me convinced. It this looks guy, stupid. this guy never overdoes it. Yes, he doesn't overdo it. No one's overdoing it. I would say all these performances are not no. overdone. They are exactly as many notes are needed, which are a yes. lot of notes, but not. You know, it's, they know they knew how many notes. Yeah, but they needed you, to you couldn't play too, too, too many notes back then because, like, they, there was a lot of notes back then, but there wasn't that extreme amount. Like that, the concept of prog metal didn't really exist back then. Like, you, you couldn't do that back then. The technology didn't exist, or something. There was no prog metal. Not, not like there was prog metal. Not like Dream Theater. Okay, well, there was prog rock. Yeah, well, yeah, of course, but it's not the same thing. Like the 
like think of the dream theater sound it's like you know and think of king crimson or genesis technology or wasn't there yet technology wasn't there yet wasn't there yet. They, didn't, they didn't have the ability to do that guitars too many notes for the guitars 70s couldn't play that year to then. hear yes it's only so many notes the ear can hear that's it yes okay all right moving on uh the fun scale our last and favorite scale this is a giving it a 2 or 2.5 maybe here on the fun side we have obviously because of the magic theme which i find charming charming magic theme here uh there's some very dramatic magical chanting yeah uh at several points throughout the album there was that one song where the guy goes Vinny, Vinny, Vinny. like you guys are saying like i came we saw we kicked his ass right like that's what you guys are saying right unless you're saying something else that's what i hear i'm hearing the, the latin seizure phrase Maybe that's because he's the great Kaiser. Yeah, he comes, he saws, he kicks his ass. Okay. Um, I found myself very amused in particular, just a little fixated on the song, The Power of the Stone. Yeah. I I don't know why. I, it just I just wanted to know more about the stone the because stone. he's not immune to the power of the stone. His magic is weak. Uh, he's, not <laughs> he's not immune to the power wanna, of the stone. I want to hear the story of the stone. It's not as complicated as the Cobra story, but, you know, it's... We don't know. It's true. We don't. He didn't get into it. (laughs) But yes, uh, a lot of the lyrics are, you know, obviously very. uh, What's the audible word for legible? They're audible. Audible. (laughs) Because this is a a nice, clear voice. uh, But yes, uh, very uh, entrancing. Yeah. Um, anything like about magicians and magic culture in general is, is fun, right? Like we went over before. Um, unless you know you're an actual magician, which I don't think you guys are. Like, I don't, comment down below. But I don't you think, doubt? I don't. I don't think. I don't think you guys are magicians. Like <laughs> the magician culture. You know the magician culture. Tell me if you guys are involved in that. I would like to know. Um, but you know this album might. You know if you actually are a magician, like listening to this album, maybe it'll bring trauma to you, and it might make you drink more. You know, because I don't think magicians have good lives. All right. Well, the theme is fun, and but however, I didn't find the music to be. You know, it wasn't like goofy music. No, like, the, I, I feel like the musical pro- pro- approach was pretty serious. There was a kind of a dementia, demented intro guitar lick to track two, uh, "Mad Magic Two in the Absences of God." Bad magic, <laughs> great title. Uh, <laughs> it's very fun, demented guitar lick. Uh, but other than that, like it's a very moody album. Uh, we've got a lot of moods attempted and achieved, like mystery, adventure, exaltation, intrigue. Intrigue. You know, this is the kind of, you put this album on, someone walks in the room, they're going to be like, what's going on That's here? a magician word. It's like intrigue. You get the cards, like intrigue. Pick a card for your life. But yeah, you play this, someone's going to be like, what's going on here? Yeah, like, oh, you know, that's intrigue. Oh, that's what I think of intrigue. But, um... If this album came out like in '79, no one would take it. No one would think it's funny. Everyone would take it 100% seriously. That's that's why I didn't want to go all the way to fun. Yeah. You know, there's a level of seriousness. I also feel like I don't know. Is there a story going on here? I feel like it's a dark story. Some sort of concept. A, a loose concept. Dealers of divinity. It's yeah. Dark. Like I think of the the Blue Oyster Cole album. I think of the the yeah. with the, That's what I think of. That's a picture in my head. Even though the album doesn't sound anything like that. Uh, but, let's look at the cover art. Da, 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 da. What do you got here? So this is interesting. This is a painting of some sort. Looks like a that. painting. It is apparently by uh, credited to Mo Fang Ten Grand, who is the bassist. So uh, he's a painter. Ah, this is a very nice painting. Now, what's going on here? This guy's got scissors back here, and this guy has a um. I don't know what that is, but these are like faceless politicians. It seems like 
Well, he's got some kind of thing with the car or with a string going through the card. So he's oh, like pulling yeah. the strings. Ooh. Pulling the Ooh. strings. That guy's got scissors. So, so he's got, you know. He cuts the string. And this guy, he's just their puppet. He's dealing. But yeah, he's he's doing it for like for the, the authority, the lizard people the, maybe. I don't know. The, it just raises more questions than it answers. Yeah, guys, explain this. If you hear this, tell me what this is about. Because, you know, a lot of times we like to go over interesting album artwork. You know, and most of the album artwork that we look at is interesting, especially yours is very interesting. Is there any significance to the Ace of Hearts? There's a lot going on here. There's fire and there's water over here. He's submerged in wow. water. And this is the Is table. he in hell? Um, maybe. I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's not water. And, and look at the card. It's Ace of Hearts. Ace yes. of Hearts. What's, what does it mean? Um, this guy's a watch here. They have red <laughs> ties, but they're faceless. And he's got a red vest and a black tie. Uh, that's something too. So yeah, tell me what's going on. I think just, that's more just a color aesthetic choice. I don't think these guys just threw this down. I think like they planned every, this painting very carefully. Every brushstroke meant something. Yeah, so I want to know why, because I don't understand magicians. All I know is they drink a lot. So tell me like <laughs> what's going on here. All right. Very cool. In conclusion, this album was awesome. It's very, it's a very nice listen, and I was excited the moment I found it. Uh, and a very uh, strong contender, I think, for my various year-end lists. Yeah, um, th yeah, this is like one of those albums, you know, a retro album. We've done a lot of retro albums, but this is like one of the best retro-sounding albums because it's so authentic. It's, it's not forced in any way. It just happened naturally, and it just feels like it really is from 1979 without question so that's my take on it all right white magician dealers of divinity check it out uh yeah check out their band camp uh, the links are down below and check out their uh metal archives and check out their merch and stuff so and if you like this video remember to like comment and oh yeah that too we haven't said that in a while right we haven't told them to like like our videos but but you we know suck at this no no that's fine we don't have to we shouldn't we shouldn't have to tell them to do it. they should do it anyway all right so thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next time with another uh,